and welcome to a new episode of PR360. I'm your host, Brett Dystrom. If you could please subscribe to PR360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music, leave a review. It really does help with the rankings and let me know how I'm doing. But this week, I have Xiaomi Moni. I feel like I'm butchering this, but I'm doing my best. But she actually has quite a bit of experience, regardless of how terrible I'm actually saying her name. And she is quite an expert in technology marketing, go-to marketing strategy for product services, and account-based marketing as well, and influencer relations. And she's done a whole other, quite a bit stuff, but I'm going to let her talk about that and give her a little bit more of a look how great I am. But welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brett. It's Saumya Mooney, by the way, and you did a fantastic job of getting it right. It can be a tongue twister for non-native Indians. So thank you so much for getting me on the show today. No worries. And I'm definitely not a non-native Indian speaker, unfortunately. But hey, I mean, I try new things all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyways, are you a coffee or tea drinker? Tea drinker all the way. So I love my chai and it has to be green tea for me. Ah, gotcha. Green tea. Does it have the most caffeine? I don't, I, I've drinking teas before. I just don't know which one has the most actual caffeine in it. So I think I drink, which is the caffeine-free green tea. And uh, it's an Ayurvedic concoction is what I call it, ah. which has a lot of Indian herbs in it and great for the skin, hair, and antioxidants. Full of it. All right. Getting all healthy on us this morning or late at night for you because we're in completely different time zones. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Can you give a little bit of a brief introduction or description of your expertise? Because everybody would love to hear your expertise. Thanks, Brett. I have about 22 years of experience in enterprise technology marketing, and I've worked with very large, small startups, medium enterprises, and currently I'm leading marketing for a company called Incher. It's an SAP partner, and we build digital applications on the SAP business technology platform, or previously known as the cloud platform. So very excited uh, to be part of this journey where I get to marry two of my passion areas, marketing and technology. I'm very driven with the authentic storytelling and creative communications, which I'm able to harness with both the disciplines of marketing and PR that I'm able to do for the company as well as what I've been doing in my career. I do also support a lot of not-for-profit organizations and advise startups on uh, go-to-market strategy um, during my spare time. Uh, and I'm really excited to be part of this show and sharing some of the knowledge nuggets with your listeners. Great. And we're happy to have you share it as well because people always need more inspiration nowadays, especially since we're finally getting back out to normal-ish. But how has marketing enterprise tech specifically changed since 2020, since everything has been all about working from home, it seems like? Yeah, so COVID-19 or this pandemic has created uh, unprecedented disruption and uncertainty. And I'm thinking that this obviously will continue over the course of the year and probably next year as well, until we get into a mode where customers are able to meet marketers and sales folks face-to-face. Uh, -face. So which really means that uh, marketers have and must pivot their strategy. And I believe that they can do that in three crucial ways. And I've seen this change in my planning as well as in the way I execute. 
I think the first thing is to refresh the customer experience. Given that selling is happening uh, or the end-to-end -end sales process is happening digitally, I think marketers now more than ever have to respond with agility, engage across different sales channels, and most importantly, lead with digital. So I think that's a big shift. What used to be like 50-50 before offline and online or digital now is almost like 100 or 90-10. And therefore, marketers now more than ever need to ensure that they are leading with empathy in all of their tactics, in their marketing communications, and are able to offer posture of support rather than overtly sell or push products. So I think that's a fundamental change that I'm seeing in this pandemic era. Gotcha. And I mean, follow-up question is... If you were more of in the tech hardware space, like say like semiconductor chips, how has just the bottlenecking of or the lack of supply hurt marketers in that area? Does it seem like we now need to like account for supply chain issues since 2020? I call it the year of shortages. Yeah. So I think, uh, of course, that has affected a lot of the organizations, both from a productivity standpoint as well as not being able to meet customer expectations and customers' end-user expectations as well, because a lot of the brick and mortar has to uh, quickly change to digital. So that has caused a bit of disruption, but I would also see that that's also brought in some level of innovation or opportunity for some of the new age technologies or disruptive technologies, as we call it, to basically make use of the resources that you currently have make more of those right and that's and these kind of sort of disruptions lead to innovations because you have scarcity you tend to think out of the box and so i have seen fundamental shifts on being made to sort of do more with less invest more in educating your customers and developing a learning center so that they are able to adopt uh, digital very quickly and to guide them through this process. So while the shortage has disrupted some elements of the hardware supply chain, understandably so, uh, but it has also brought about innovation in many areas. So I think that's that's a balance that I would draw based on our learning so far. Gotcha. And it seems like for the most part, products as a service have exploded more than usual in 2020 and 2021. How will this change how marketers market their tech products? Since everything's about, like you said, digital, how is this going to affect product releases and all that other stuff that goes along with more physical events? Yeah, so I think of uh, for us, how we've also implemented is to have a very agile approach to offering products. So uh, when the pandemic hit, we, we realized that we needed to respond to our customers. And, I, and this is what I encourage most marketers to do as well, is to make sure that you're constantly listening to your customers and seeing where they are in their buying cycle. And some of these disruptions and events are triggers to basically realign or reorient your marketing strategy. So one needs to think about offering products and services at the most profitable price and look at short-term profitability. What used to sort of take us months to launch should probably be done with some rapid prototyping and getting something out there for customers to react, absorb, and respond to, uh, rather than you know wait for the entire sort of roadmap exercise. 
So I would say that the go-to-market strategy for tech products has to be about short-term rollouts, experiment, iterate, change, and respond. And that cycle needs to sort of keep continuing till such time when the customer is ready to adopt it fully. So uh, I think it's about responding to the scenarios and the customer environment and the way things are. And we've, we've seen that, right, with the clinical trials and the vaccine production. I think that's a good indication of how tech products also need to come out in the market. So is what I'm hearing is that it may change to be more of like a, I guess you could pick your early adopters and almost beta test it and let them know that this is just a trial to test our products to see if it's actually worth branching out to the whole public instead. Is that what I'm hearing a little bit more? Is that more of like a, like a concentrated beta testing, almost like what video games do sometimes when they do alpha testings or anything like that. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. For new products and new offerings, yes. And also to orient the pricing accordingly, because a lot of the customers are facing challenges with their customer supply chain, with their operational costs, with their productivity. So how do you sort of uh, put out something in the market which can be consumed faster and you give them a jumpstart to what you have? I'd also recommend that marketers should invest more in educating customers and developing more educational material, which is endowed with, you know, guides, white papers, and some webinars and course materials, so that you're sort of handholding them through the journey. Uh, and the spotlight should really be on the challenges that the customers are facing in the current times and supporting with, um, you know, something with the help that they currently need. So it's really about community and connection and making sure that uh, you put something out there and iterate and, as you rightly said, uh, get the early adopters going and hopefully uh, get them to retain as customers for a lifetime. And I mean, going off of what you said, education content specifically, should you, let's say you're just a one man team, because sometimes startups actually have that. Should you use like influencers to help with the education process as well? Try to get some influence and be like, hey, we need to have a development series where you help us with educating and having that journey, as you said, with the customers. Is that another way of automating your education or should you all do it in-house or maybe in freelancers? Yeah, so I think for me personally, I've, I've not outsourced a single piece of content in this entire year we've actually used a lot of the content that we've created uh, in-house and with our experts and as educational material and letting people know and letting customers and prospects know that this is something which we have developed and we are looking to co-develop and co-innovate with our customers. And I think customers are um, receptive to that idea given the challenges that uh, they're going through. So obviously to respond to the changes, customers are open to co-innovate and co-develop. And that investment is something which customers appreciate. So uh, I have used education as a tool or a vehicle to promote products and offerings. And I encourage marketers to do that at this point in time. And customers really appreciate that tonality in the messaging as well as the communication rather than, hey, look here, I've got all of this. And you, why don't you choose me over the others? So I think that really helps. And how authentic you are to responding to your customer and prospects needs with what you have, I think that's also very well appreciated at this time. Gotcha. And how has the go-to strategy for marketing specifically changed for tech products during the pandemic? Has it kind of morphed into 
or even in 2021 and 2022, is it morphed into a hybrid type of, you're going to have some or a lot of digital, but some physical stuff as well. Has it morphed into, like you said, beta testing and alpha testing? Has it morphed into using maybe even your customers as kind of like experts in creating a lot of these educational con contents like the early adapters and utilizing them has it been more of that type of a thing how has it changed so i think uh, over the last one year and this year also continues to be almost 100 percent virtual of course uh, there are certain parts of the world where customers have started to come to physical events but i think most part of it at least the customers or large enterprises that uh, i'm dealing with are really virtual at this point in time so we've realized that it's it makes sense to have community of customers create some kind of a virtual house and a safe place for customers to talk. So most of our customer advisory sessions are happening where we're doing beta testing, where we are also discussing roadmaps, we're discussing future plans and strategic initiatives. So our go-to-market has become very one-is-to-one or one-is-to-few at the moment. Rather than the spray and pray model, where you're really expecting to apply a very broad brush and expecting their customers to latch on to your messaging. Here it's more personalized and it's more contextual. So that's how I see go-to-market strategy working for us, at least in the tech product space and products more so because clearly the consumption of the product is based on the persona as well as the need. So we are spending a lot of time understanding the customer's needs and making sure that we have a tailored uh, messaging and a personalization strategy. So one is to one and one is to few seems to work for us in terms of messaging and communication and strategy. Gotcha. And how will the go-to marketing strategies change for, let's say, future marketers and PR pros? Will it even further change, let's say, five to 10 years down the road? You said talk about more about niche marketing than spray and pray, which used to always be marketers and PR pros favorite thing is like, let's see where this sticks. Is it going to be more and more tailored to niches and then grow out? Or is it going to be something totally different than we cannot even think about? So two years ago, if you would have asked me this question, I would have said, yes, we've thought about events. We would have thought about the marketing mix and, you know, the investment envelope would probably have like still about 30% physical because that's where physical events, that's where you will meet customers and you'll hopefully convert them and you create opportunities. And salespeople love networking, right? In events and making sure that you're meeting the customers face-to-face and nothing beats face-to-face. Nothing can replace face-to-face. But now during Corona, I keep joking about this, that while the pandemic has hit us, it's like BC, which is before Corona, DC, which is during Corona and AC, which is after Corona. So never would I have thought that, you know, we we would be in a scenario where we would not meet a customer, we would not have a physical event, but we've still been able to sell. We've still been able to sort of interact with customers who want to buy products and services from us. We've still been able to connect. So clearly, I think uh, somewhere I feel that a mix of hybrid as in um, physical and digital will come and hybrid is what we would look to. But what that percentage of hybrid is going to look like is anybody's guess. So I wouldn't be able to comment sitting here two years hence how things are going to be. But I would imagine that with AI, ML, VR, we should be able to get 
uh, a mix of about 80-20, 80 leaning towards digital and 20 leaning towards some amount of face-to-face. All right. Hey, it's feature telling, so we could be right or wrong, but it's always good to talk about what may happen. Yes. <laughs> we are the oracle of yes. marketing. Yes. When we're talking about just authentic storytelling, to me, it seems like a lot of companies kind of fall short. It seems like they try to be authentic, but it comes off as almost inauthentic or just going, wait, what? So how do you create effective, authentic storytelling? Yeah, and this is a topic that I'm extremely passionate about because I was actually sharing this uh, snippet for somebody and I said, if you were to remove the company name, and put two identical products and their messaging, you wouldn't be able to do different differentiation in the messaging, in the copy, in the storytelling itself, uh, other than the company name or the vendor's name. So how do you differentiate, right? I think authentic storytelling comes from a place where you're able to be honest about what you can do and uh, not be me too in the space and not figure out strategies which very large enterprises follow and apply that to a startup or apply that to a small-scale organization with frugal marketing budgets. So what applies in a large enterprise, what I have learned having worked in large enterprises and small and now a startup with very, very frugal marketing budgets, I have realized that authentic storytelling comes from the enterprise itself It comes from the product. It comes from the vision of the company. And vision of the companies cannot be copied. It needs to be in the DNA of the organization, what the organization wants to project. And unfortunately, I'm seeing far too many similar copies um, coming from the same space in tech. So how do you stand out? You stand out by, uh, you know, A, defining your vision, B, defining your uh, mission, and then your DNA, uh, which is embedded in the organization in the way you operate and the way you want to communicate. So I see that changing in our company where our own employees are doing that storytelling in their voice and uh, communicating themselves as if they were in their customer's shoes. So for me, that's authentic storytelling because you're able to understand um, customers' um, pain points And you're able to very quickly respond to that by iterating and changing your strategy and meeting to that customer's requirements. So for me, that's authentic storytelling and to be able to communicate that story if it's a successful sort of use case to others as well. So I believe that's one way or that probably is the only way that you can differentiate yourself from the crowd. Gotcha. And Do you think authentic storytelling could also be going back to the basics and actually just talking about your product or services? Because sometimes I feel like when I watch commercials or see marketing materials, it's this long, like inspirational thing, but I'm like, I don't even know what your product is. Like, I don't even know what it does. (laughs) So should it be a little bit more mixed? Because I feel like marketers and PR pros get in the weeds and be like, we should need to sell this inspirational thing. It's like, but what's the product? Yeah, yeah. I see a lot of large enterprises do that because they want to create the mystique and the aura 
and sometimes it's the creative agency is gone rogue kind of situation but i'm leaning to what i just explained before i mean i responded to your question with respect to authentic storytelling it's really comes from what problem are you trying to solve at the end of the day the customer is reaching out to you because there is a pain point right and unless they see value in what you have to bring and if you don't articulate that in simple non complicated words and verbiage i think they get it because humans by nature are they search for simpler terms and that's why natural language processing is such a big hit because you really are searching in very simple simple words and you're looking for solutions to very simple problems in your life and think of yourselves also in customers shoes trying to solve a problem in their enterprise so if you are able to highlight that problem uh, and offer value with your product and service i think you've hit the nail in terms of the brief so the authentic storytelling is about identifying the customer pain point and articulating the value that your offering whether it's a product service or a solution can bring to solve that pain point gotcha yeah i mean i remember working for it was more of a computer peripheral company and they told me i wrote the best like how to guide to user software and i was just like i'm just how i wrote it was i'm writing it to the person that's never done this before and that was my base so anybody from the experts to the novice could actually use it in the way they want to. I feel like a lot of marketers and PR pros forget this and they use jargon and everything. And it's like, I just tell it to me simply. Exactly. So simple, simple English, clear English and the way you comprehend it. So yes, absolutely. Simplicity is the key here. But it seems like it's always harder than we actually think. It's like, oh, it's simple. It's like, why didn't I think of this before? absolutely and i think getting the copy to use simple language and to make people understand i think it's very hard i, I agree with you and it's so hard to create a simple or craft a simple copy which is easy to comprehend and understand and then moving on to like the age of hybrid or working from home because like you said some countries are opening up and they're doing more hybrid stuff how do you keep the high functioning team motivated because I feel like working from home, you're like, yeah, I could do it later. I'm here. I'm not really dressed. I'm in my PJ still type of a thing. And it's like relaxing. So how do you keep them focused and motivated when they have everything going on or they can look at YouTube or whatever? I have realized that, in fact, I did this assessment. We are 25% more productive, at least um, over the last one year as a team, given that we had to commute to work. I mean, we weren't working uh, remotely. before the pandemic uh, we would actually go to a physical location of course there is uh, advantages of being in a physical location especially with a creative process like marketing and communications because you feed off each other's ideas and any creative process requires you to be in a room where in a war room where you're discussing and brainstorming and all of that but we've realized that and we've also adjusted with the pandemic and uh, we've realized that you know we we need to keep wellness in mind as we are spending more hours at home in front of our computer we also need to take some breaks i have struggled to take that so um but i must admit that i'm getting used to it now uh, of working from home and uh, making sure that there is uh, some kind of wellness or fun element incorporated even in working virtually so we've organized some fun events and some you know bring your family day 
and making sure that in a virtual scenario, you're still engaged and you're keeping in touch with each other uh, while you're doing it with voice and you know in front of the camera, at some point in time, you do want to give that sense that you're working in a team. So clearly it's work in progress. It's a new paradigm for everyone and we're all adjusting to it, hopefully not for long. And we do have a hybrid workspace where we are able to see each other. But, but I think we are keeping ourselves motivated and it's a journey, to be honest. Gotcha. And fun question for you. If you could create a new way to market products, what would it be? I'm thinking of creating my virtual avatar <laughs> and uh, making sure that I use VR to project myself to uh, make sure that I have a virtual event. And uh, even if there's a physical event, I'm able to stream myself in front of a prospective audience and to be able to showcase uh, some of the work that I've done or even uh, products that I want to sort of showcase to customers. So that would be like a very, very cool way of projecting myself to a third or fourth dimension. <laughs> hey, it's a new way of doing it. I think Apple did a little bit about that with their last conference. That's right. And any final thoughts for listeners? For marketers, this is a great time to build your, build your expertise in digital, actually. So while we look to emerge out of this crisis very soon, there is an opportunity here for marketers to start building their personalized communications or kin to customer data, look into data-driven insights, a wide, participate in a wide variety of digital activities and continue the learning actually because technology-enabled assistance with AI, ML, VR, analytics and marketing are some of the biggest advances that are being made in customer experience. And since marketers are um, sort of leading that initiative, I think I, I encourage and invite marketers to sort of uh, be open-minded about these technologies and use them in the marketing discipline. That's some great final thoughts, but thank you for joining PR360. Really appreciate sharing your knowledge on everything that you've been doing or have done. Thank you. Thank you, Brett. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And thank you for listening to PR360. As always, please subscribe to PR360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Leave a review. It really does help with the rankings. Let us know how we're doing. Enjoy us next week as we talk to another great thought leader in the PR industry. All right, guys, stay safe. Learn something new like we were talking about and see you next week. Later.